I go on a weekly dinner date with my daughter. She's eight. And it, it's, I love it. Oh, it's awesome. just short and sweet, but it's yeah. just our, our ritual every week. And so in a few months ago, we're sitting in a restaurant, we're having dinner. And I, I ask her, like, so Ella, do you actually know what I do at work all day? And she just very matter of fact, very quickly answered, yeah, mom, you sit at your computer and you laugh. So there's this myth about being a grown-up, especially being a parent, that it's a time where the play's got to end and the serious work begins. That laughter and surprise and curiosity and spontaneity, very often the things that got you where you are, well, that all needs to see to, you know, more responsible behavior. But what if the exact opposite was true? What if the real secret to a life well-lived was to never let them go? Better yet, to build your waking hours around them. That's what we're talking about on today's episode. I'm Jonathan Fields. This is Good Life Project. My guest today is Tina Roth Eisenberg. Over the last nine years, she's founded a design turned lifestyle blog, a breakfast conference for creative pros now hosted in more than 100 countries around the world every month. An artist-driven temporary tattoo company, a flourishing co-working space in Brooklyn, all while raising a family. And it all seems to come from a place of deep service and play and this insatiable desire to connect with people and to help them connect with each other. The real connections that I've made in life, they were always because they came out of a face-to-face meeting, right? I really, really believe in the more I'm online, you know, in all the different manners of Twitter and all that, which I love, love. I really believe in the end of the day that um, real connections are made in person and not behind the screen. And that's the reason why I started so many of the things I do, like my co-working space, um, Studio Mates in Dumbo. And then out of that came the Creative Mornings, the monthly Man. gatherings of the creative types and stuff. And it, it even goes back further. When I was in um, high school, I ran the student union uh, you know, the student, what do you call it? S- student organization. Yeah, like student government. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I organized all the events and the cultural stuff. And so, I mean, it goes way back. It's just like, I think something that I have in me that I like to get people together. So what is it that you think happens? I mean, cause it's interesting because I've really tried to explore this and I've, I've done a ton of research on belonging and stuff like that. And, and stumbled upon actually this guy named uh, Emil Durkheim and his mm-hmm. whole sort of theory of collective effervescence, what happens when people get together and there's, mm-hmm. There's this intangible thing um, that goes on. It, what do you think is really happening there? I mean, that you that you can't replicate without having people. In well, it's together. not just about getting people together. I think what the the, the key component is to get like minded people together. That yeah. there's a common denominator. And just for example, uh, Creative Mornings. We had our first ever summit where we organized, where we invited all the organizers from around the world in one room. It's so funny. Like I started creative mornings because I believe in getting people together, but then here we are six years in and we've never got the organizers together. Uh And there's over a hundred chapters now. Um, and what happened was completely magical. This was like a week and a half ago. And you can talk to my team. Like we all like start tearing up when we, when we, when we think back of these two days, it's that there was such an incredible understanding and kindness and sort of like, just like mind. And we all, we all had common ground. We all knew what it means to organize creative mornings. And we all sort of have the same belief system, the same values. You could just tell that you could feel it in the room. Mm. And I, and I'm not someone to, 
to speak about world peace. To be honest, I'm I'm in the end of the day. While I'm an optimist, I'm I'm also a little bit cynical sometimes. Yeah. But these two days was the first time ever in my life where at one point I looked at our chief happiness officer Sally and said, Sally. Look at this room. This is the first time ever I could imagine there's such a thing as world peace if we just keep growing these communities that really there's just such an amount of respect for each other in the room and and the kindness that just really makes you feel so confident and and, and comfortable and just allows you to be who you are. And I think that's that's the beauty. It's like the finding your like minded group that makes you a better person at the end of the day. Yeah. No, I and I you know, like we were just talking, I, I just came off an experience where I, I there was something so similar going on. Um, and, and, and I wonder, you know, one of the things that I was wondering is when you leave something like that, and I'm curious whether this was going through your mind at all. Um, you walk out and you're like, okay, this was, these were two stunning days, days where like whatever expectation I had, it was just blown away. Mm -hmm. Um, can I do this again? Or was that like a one-off? Like, is this, how do you, how do you do it again? How do you build on that? How do you, how do you make it bigger? How do you like, how do you take that ripple mm -hmm. and actually take that ethic and that respect for humanity and that deep, deep, deep sense of belonging and connection and mm -hmm. shared aspirations and values and beliefs and, um, and scale it to a level of impact where you're really making a substantial difference in a lot of people's lives. Mm -hmm. Can you do it? Or do you, do you lose that at some point? I absolutely believe that you can do it. Like if I just see, the, we have a Facebook group with all the organizers. And if, if you just read what's going on there right now, these people went back, these organizers, and they are just so like filled up with these two days that they are so motivated to make a change and make it even better and take it to the next level. And, um, and I actually think these events like, you know, like you had, they're important to actually sort of refill our tanks yeah, and totally with fair. the confidence and sort of making me realize, no, no, what we're doing is important. And this is really, really good. Yeah. So I think like every two, three years, we're going to have to have one of these events where it's just like, it really shows us again that what we're doing is really important for our communities. You know, you're doing yeah. it in your, and you, there's lo lots of small pockets of communities. It doesn't just have to be my organization. I feel like we right. all have to just find our, our groups where, we feel safe and we feel like the, uh, the people around us, they, they make us better by pushing ourselves to be better or just set our goals a bit higher or just work. It's just maybe put, set our standards for our work a bit higher or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, and, and I think what's also happening and I wonder if you, what your thoughts are on this is that I have this sense that there's a, that there's a growing, what I would call a belonging crisis. Mm -hmm. that, you know, all of the places that we used to look to for this sense of belonging that we have to satisfy, it's a, it's a deep human need, they're kind of crumbling. Um, or we're not finding that sense there anymore. You know, a lot of people are abandoning faith at a really rapid pace mm -hmm. these days. They consider themselves spiritual, but not faith-based mm -hmm. or religious-based. Um, employment used to create a really strong sense of belonging, mm -hmm. but a lot of people don't yep. feel that anymore. Local groups, there's, you know, there are a lot of things. And I think people are wandering around and... Feeling a sense of unease, pain, anxiety. But at the same time, in the time of like the internet, it's never been easier to actually find that okay. group that you connect with. Right. right? So here's an interesting question: Do you, do you think that that is an adequate um, fix, or do you think that there's something profoundly different that happens when you have people in a room? Well, no. I'm, well, I still feel like you know, look look at Meetup. Like if I still yeah. think like it's not just it shouldn't just be virtual, but you can take it to the next level and you can find a meetup group 
that you, you know, connect with and then meet up in a room. But I agree, like it shouldn't be just virtual. But I actually think there's also something to be said that <clears throat> there's probably a lot of people that live maybe in more more remote yeah, areas that true. finally find people that they can connect with on a level, you know, that they would not not have been able years ago. So yeah. there there's a beauty in, in both sides. Yeah, I totally agree. And which is interesting because I'll I'll read something which kind of lionizes the internet for creating, you know, this false connection which keeps people from making the real connection. I'm like, you know, I can see there's an argument for some people, but to make a blanket statement like that because of exactly what you just shared, there are a lot of people in places in the world where they're just, their people aren't in mm -hmm. their village, mm -hmm. you know? So if they can find a connection with those people through the ether on yeah. some level. That must make their life so much better right it's there. It's got to, right? Yeah. You know, it's got to really be some kind of game changer or flatten the world for them to a certain mm -hmm. extent and say, huh, okay, I'm not alone. So um, you mentioned that, uh, you know, it's not just the fact that people are in a room together, but they're also sharing something. And mm -hmm. one of the things that you uh, you just tossed out was what I think is your fifth rule. <laughs> which was like, oh my god you, don't do don't ask me what all the right. rules were no, right I, now <laughs> i know i wrote trust me, like, people are like what remember when you wrote that in your last book i'm like honestly no i, I i'm like i have no i can't remember what Those, was in or what was that so i'm going to throw it out there up, for so. you um which was push to be vetted oh yeah and that seems yeah. like a really important thing for you oh, yeah. just from an ethical standpoint so talk to me a little bit about what that means you know where when you start to kind of realize that was important to you well I'm, I guess the way I was raised, it was always, uh, I was raised in a somewhat spiritual environment and not in a like, you know, very faith based, but like I kind of grew up in the Sedona, the equivalent of Sedona of, of Switzerland. Switzerland. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had no idea there was like a Sedona. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of, of yeah, yeah that's um, great. And so I, I think I've been raised very open-minded in, you know, a lot of like quirky things and stuff. And my parents were both entrepreneurial and they, they really instilled this thing in me to say like, you know, always, always try to, to, you know, go to the next level. Always try to push you better. Any, everything you do, just afterwards, look at it. It's like, how can I make it better next time? And I think it's such a good value to instill in your, in your children, because I know that I'm not perfect. Like I, I have a little bit of a, uh, I want to make things really, really perfect because yeah. I'm just Swiss, but at the end of the day, I know I'm not, and <clears throat> I know I'm human. And so with my teams, I often bring this up with, with my teams. I was like, you know, all right, we might not have like really nailed this one, but how can we make it better next time or next time? Also just on a human level, yeah. you know, I was like, you know, I, I feel like I could have reacted better. And I just bring it up with my team and say like, you know, let's just, I'm, I'm pushing to be better next time. And it's just a it's, it comes from a place of humility, I guess. That's just, you know, you can always try to be better yeah. in anything you do. And, and once you set that mindset, it also like makes you very approachable. Mm. Does that make sense? In, and, in terms of because you own the fact that you're on the path or oh, I'm the first one to say yeah. like, Hey guys, I, I don't know what the answer is here. I don't, right. I have never done this. And just, I'm also making people feel safe around you, you know, just say like, I don't know the answer no. and, and let's figure it out together. And I think this all kind of plays, plays together. And also I, I'm, you know, as a, as a, as a person that is leading teams now, I've, I've never done this before. I didn't go to yeah. school to be a perfect boss, but all I keep telling my, my, my employees and, and also my children, because I feel like there's a, there's a lot of similarities of starting businesses and, and so running a family. So, um, know, on so many he levels. said, I just tell them like, listen, I, I am, I promise you that I am trying to be the best person I can be. And sometimes I make mistakes and that 
And I will say, you know, I will say I'm sorry. Mm. And I think that is like just a, when you run a company like that, um, people feel safe and they're, they're also feel safe to come to you and say like, Hey, I, I messed up. And, and, and it's all about feeling appreciated and safe in the environment you work in. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's not just about pushing to be better. It's that ethic of, you know, like, okay, let's just make this, you know, the best that we can. But at the same time, it's like you said, there's a level of humility around it that, you know, look that we're all human. And part of that push to be better is making mistakes and trying new things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes stuff works and sometimes doesn't. But I feel like the workplace, especially in New York, that is so competitive. I don't think this is a notion that is very embraced. And, and I just, I, it kind of pains me a bit, you Mm -hmm. know, to see, don't just pretend to be all tough and rough and and just, I'm really, really hoping that the, just a work environment becomes just a bit more, has a bit more heart. Mm. as a bit more, you know, like you, you see a lot of people go to work and sort of put on a different persona than they are at home. Yeah. I don't believe in that. I believe in you need to be that person that you are at home or at work. And, and, and it comes back to feeling safe, you know, and feeling. Yeah, I mean, is, is that what you think is, is what drives it? That yeah, people I think so. They don't feel safe. So you feel no. like you have to wrap yourself mm-hmm. in this. That's veneer. what I think it is. Uh, I mean, I've been in environments where I, I was constantly like scared. Like, you know, I came in five minutes late. Oh my God, you know, what's going to happen? Or, or, you know, like, and how brutal is it to like, to show up in a place like that every day of your life? It's not a, that's not a life. I I can't. And also you're not able to do your best work. That's what, that's, you know, the icing on the cake is like, if you have an environment like that, people will not do their best work. Right. Yeah. That was one of the big awakenings actually. Um, when I started doing a whole bunch of research between the, the relationship between anxiety and fear and creativity, mm-hmm. and there's actually strong research that there's, there's an inverse relationship between anxiety and creativity. Mm-hmm. When you're anxious, when you're stressed, your creative capacity literally craters. Yeah. And which is so interesting because so many people will create a work culture that is all based on ramped anxiety and fear no. and crazy demands. And then say, we need more, better, faster, harder. You're not giving no. us what we need not realizing they're actually destroying the capacity of the people that they want mm-hmm. to, to innovate mm-hmm. to actually do that. And I, I can tell you, like, I'm often people that follow me on Instagram and Twitter, uh, me and my teams, like for example, with Tatley and Creative Mornings, they often ask me, are you actually getting any work done? <laughs> and, and I always laugh because like we work really, really hard, but yeah. I also want to make sure we have fun while we're doing it. And I'm the first one to be silly at work. And, and we have a lot of like, we, for example, we have a prop box at, at Tatley. That's just filled with like silly things with like Viking hats and stuff. And sometimes I always say like, sometimes you just need a Viking hat to reply to certain emails or <laughs> I, I welcome silliness at work on a moments where you just like, you know, just goof off a little bit. Or we have a, one of my favorite things of all times. And I really feel like every business needs one of these is like, we have a confetti drawer. We have an entire drawer filled with confetti. That's awesome. So to me, every now and then it's just, you know, sometimes you just need confetti. Like there's certain people that send you a really lovely note with their order or whatever it is, like you just need to add a little bit confetti in someone's (laughs) order. And, and just, uh, have you ever stuck your hand in there like a big giant drawer of confetti? I have not. It's amazing. So anyway, so (laughs) there's these little things that, um, I always say that with what I do at Tatley and, and Creative Mornings, I'm trying to sprinkle a possibility of a smile in whatever we do. Mm. And that really shines through in, in like, for example, on creativemornings.com, when you like a video, it, it rains hearts, which people email us. And I did, you know, it makes my day. It's right. so simple. Or, or for example, on the, we have profiles on creative mornings. And when we built a new site, I said, come on, let's, let's just make a filter for single, mm. you know, come on, when you're a single, 
you just want to know who's single in this community <laughs> and stuff like that. And, and, and I feel like it's these little things that, that make people realize that we really love what we do. Like we yeah. put our heart into it and, and yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the notion of delight and I think it's a lost, I, I think it's a lost art in, and, and, and on two levels this is really what you're talking about. One is actually the culture within the, like whatever it is that you're building, you know, create this, this sense of play and delight within it. But then also, and, and maybe actually it's just the, con the continuation <clears throat> of that story. When you do that, then, you know, like people just end up sitting there having so much more fun. And also then like kind of saying, okay, well, how can we give this to the people that we're serving or selling mm -hmm. to our customers, our clients? Mm -hmm. And so you come up with ways to actually mm -hmm. externalize that, that, but that whole thing. But I think there's no sense of delight. You know, we are here like, and it, we're here to actually um, delight. You know, I think a lot of business is built and, and probably rightly so around let first we need to solve a problem, mm -hmm. right? Because if you're not solving a problem, it's in my mind, at least as a business model, it's harder to build something mm -hmm. real around it. But at the same time, you can build something real around delivering a delight and Sometimes that's in addition to solving the problem, mm -hmm. but sometimes it can also be just that. And right. I just think but they that. can go hand in hand, yeah. solve the problem and then add a layer of like, how right. can we just also make this a, and it doesn't take much. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like the stuff that when you met, uh, I love this example, right? So when you mail out Tatley, <clears> you just <throat> throw them in a standard envelope. No, no, what do you do. <laughs> no, I mean, I, this is something that I feel really strong about is that, um, we, we have really beautiful craft envelopes that our labels are pretty. We put real stamps on it, like real stamps. We, we are known at the post office that the people that show up and buy like four, $5,000 worth of stamps, but we uh. want the pretty ones, the creative ones. <laughs> I love um, and, and we have beautiful, like, you know, rubber stamp stuff on it. So it feels like a real human touched this. And, and it's, it almost feels like you got mail from a friend Man. and it's, it's interesting to see how people like they Instagram the envelope oftentimes more than the actual tattoos that are inside. Oh, and that alone shows right there. There's like, there's a lack of human touch in, in today's, you know, world. Mm. And, and people just want to feel like there's real human beings, but behind the product they buy and they, they love what I do, what they do. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely love that. It kind of reminds me of, um, you know, Derek Silver's when he was building uh, CD Baby. He was basically like, you know, when you placed your order, you would then get an email that that was this detailed story about how, you know, like they were sprinkling pixie dust on it mm -hmm. and like creating this whole thing behind the scenes and doing a dance for you. Like, <laughs> and it was just an email, right, that mm -hmm. got sent out, but it, you know, generated just tremendous, tremendous just smiles. And mm -hmm. there's this sense of of lightness and surprise mm -hmm. that... um and I think people don't expect, and then when they get it, mm -hmm. not only is it good for business, it's good for humanity. Yeah, you know. And I yeah. think I think we forget that we're so focused on let's let's do what we need to do to build something mm -hmm. that's going to be a you know thriving, mm -hmm. sustainable business. You know, rather than let's do something that actually adds lightness to the yeah. world. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like more more and more um, people just sense which businesses are just about making money. Mm. I think you're right. And people crave, like, I, I think the reason why so many of my projects that I purely started as labors of love, as side projects, never intended to be a business yeah. because they just solved a problem that I saw or something that I wanted to fix about how most businesses start, right? right? But I really am not. The interesting thing is that I am, I'm not driven by money. I'm really not. If, as long as I have enough just to, you know, leave, leave an okay life, I'm yeah. perfectly fine. So, all these things that I started, there was never, the money was never the driver. And when you start something 
as a side project, as a pure labor of love, you make decisions on a completely different level. Yeah, totally agree. You never make a decision on how will this pay my rent? How can I make money? Right. I mean, you know, how, how can I make maximize the profits? That is never my question. I mean, obviously now that my overhead is, for example, with Tatley, I have 14 employees now. I need to be a bit more like, okay, I need to make sure I can pay everything. But at the same time, I always put sort of the labor of love aspect first. And like, how can we maintain this culture of just, this is fun. This makes people, this makes people happy. Yeah. And I agree. I do think people sense that, you Mm -hmm. know, I just think you feel it in every level of interaction, whether it's looking at the website or opening the envelope or getting a little bit of confetti and something. Mm -hmm. People just, or even if there's, I just, the woo-woo side of me believes that people just feel it. Yeah. You know, on some way it resonates, um, which is kind of funny because I'm a fairly like science-based you know, <laughs> person for most of the time. Like, you know, like show me the numbers. See, I'm on the other spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's so funny. Like, you know, I used to own a yoga studio in Hell's Kitchen and, and, uh, and, one, and, and, and had a partner. And we were so opposite because I was always like, well, what's the science behind how this yoga thing works? And I'm trying to do the research. I, mm-hmm. you know, I even partnered with the university. We measured mm-hmm. all this stuff. And she's like, I don't really care, man. I just mm. know it does. Yeah. You know, that's, I'm the same way. I just feels good. It's just, I feel it. It's good. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. awesome. So, so we've thrown out a couple of things here and just for people who may not be familiar with you, um, creative mornings is basically just it's, like, what's the thumbnail? Of that? Uh, creative mornings is a breakfast lecture series, a free event series that happens once a month on a Friday morning, uh, that started in New York and it's basically for the creative community mm-hmm. and very loosely. Like that's a very loose term on purpose. Like if you think you are a creative spirit, creative mind, you, you're, you're welcome to attend. Right. You just have to sign up. Um, and these events now happen in a hundred cities around the world every month, which was not by design that like you mm. didn't start this to grow creative mornings event organization. No, no I just saw a need in my, so I was running a co-working space in Dumbo, um, where I had, uh, designers, developers, illustrators, photographers around me. And I really, I realized how that has impacted how I approach life and everything I do and has really raised the bar. And I realized I want this beyond just my daily community. I would Mm -hmm. love to, you know, meet up with my creative community in my city, like on a regular basis. And, and I wanted it to be accessible because I feel the design conferences and all that, they're great, but they're expensive, time consuming and all that. So that's why the idea started. I just opened the door in my studio and welcomed people. And then we added a talk and, and I've kept running it for about two years on my own and design studios heard about it and invited me in. It was very, very low key. Right. It's also interesting when you take the money component out, nobody has big expectations. It's like, yeah. you know, if the coffee wasn't that good one morning, it's fine. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, it's really interesting when you take the money component out, how everything changes. Yeah. And now we have run events here in New York that are like 500 people big. And we have names like Seth Godin that come speak, which is really wonderful. And, um, and people come and, le- and they leave and they look at us like, hey, this feels like a gift. This is weird, mm-hmm. you know? So it's beautiful. And and then after two years, uh, people started asking me from around the world if they can start the chapter. That was one of these moments where I had to really take a deep breath and say like, wow, can I can I let this go? Right. Can I? And and I realized there's there's not much I can lose in the end of the day. And I've, I've we've since figured out, um, we're six years old now, we've since figured out how to find the perfect host. Because they're very independent. Once we, you know, once we give them the green light of being the host of their city, we give them access to all the tools and all the backends they need, and then they run on their own. And uh, it's it's really magical how this has grown, and and we grow by three to five chapters a month at this point. Mm-hmm. And we're not we're not actively 
searching or right. calling out. They they all come to us, and we make the bar really, really. We set the bar really high to become a host. Um, but once you're in, you we trust you. And then, so so when you say you know like we, there was this moment where you know like can I let this go? What's the this that you're talking about? Like what's well, the deeper thing that you're? Well, I, as I said, I, I put these things that I start, they, they're very dear to my heart. They represent like creative mornings was sort of like represented a lot of the values I have or the, mm. the way I, I want to approach life. And, you know, like about, and, and, you know, you start, you, you create a little, a baby, like a, it's a brand. It's, yeah. it has, it has very clear, like I was very clear to me that if, if I let someone else run this in other cities where I can, you know, control it. I need to be very, very clear on what cannot, like what are the basic structure that this needs to be, like it needs to be free. It needs to be on a Friday morning because it's very cute. Like some European countries, they're so adorable. Like Spain and Italy, they were like, hey, we want to run this, but can we do it in the evening? Because they're not morning people. And right. I'm like, no, it's called Creative Mornings. You're adorable. And then we we slowly but surely convinced him like, no, no, it's, right. it's cool. There's a reason why people this is in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So I had to be very, very, like I sort of had to boil it down. I was like, these are the three, four things that you just need to accept and mm. you can change them. And then, but then keep it loose enough that, because it's very creative types that run these things, that they can still put their own stamp on it. Right. And it's interesting. Like we watch them from afar. We see their videos go up on our site. We see their photos go up and they kind of, they kind of push us to be better. Mm. So what we call, for example, flair, uh, like the, the love they pour into their events. All of a sudden we're like, man, they have big giant signs. They have like, <laughs> you know, custom cupcakes for the events. So is and there like a competition? Yeah, no, like it actually really, it becomes a competition and we learn from each other. So for example, in Toronto, they did these 30 second pitches to get the community more involved yeah. where we adopted that. So here in New York now you can apply to say, Hey, I want to pitch something for 30 seconds before the speaker comes on. Mm -hmm. It can be anything. You have a new website, you're a photographer, you need a roommate, like whatever it is. <laughs> and so we want to just shine the light a bit on the community members. And so we learn from the other chapters and it's like this, this evolving growing beautiful thing yeah I, I think so many people would have like there is that moment where you're like okay this has legs and this can have a lot of impact and this can be amazing it can grow large in the mm -hmm. world but you know i've got two there are two possibilities here i can own it and control the growth or i can create a clear enough ethic and set of guidelines mm -hmm. that i feel like anyone who raises their hand and then we say okay we really believe that you're you're mm -hmm. gonna that then just go and do but they made it all so much better. If right. I've learned one thing by letting go, you make things trusting. Like, I'm sure you have moments in your life when somebody put a lot of trust in you. There's no bigger compliment in life than when somebody trusts you and, and believes in you can do this, right? And I think that's that's what happened with Creative Mornings. By trusting these people with my personal labor of love, um, it has completely like it has created magic because they didn't want to disappoint me and my team now here. And, and they, when you trust someone, they're very likely not going to disappoint you. Granted, you need to pick good people. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, if I've, I've learned one thing is that by trusting, letting go, creative mornings has turned into something so much better, so much bigger than I could, I personally could have ever uh, dreamed of. But I admit, there were moments where I looked at my, uh, uh, you know, uh, Kevin, who came on when we were only three chapters. He came on part time to help me grow this. And there were moments where we saw other chapters doing things where I had to take a really deep breath because it wasn't really what I believed in. Mm. And then we had sometimes conversations this is going too far. 
Is this cool? And we really had to learn over the years just to let go. Mm. And it's okay. Unless, as long as they still, the, the foundation is, right. they're like not the touching that. They cannot it. start charging for it or can move it to night events. And it's okay. Yeah. It's totally okay. That's amazing. Um, so, so Creative Mornings is one of the, the, the big rocks in your uh, sort mm-hmm. of ecosystem these days. Um, the others, as you guys can't see it, but as we're sitting here, I'm, I'm across from Tina looking at her arms and they're <laughs> slathered with all sorts of like amazing uh, temporary tattoos. And these are not your average temporary tattoos. So one of the things you were talking about is this thing called Tatley. Yeah. So for, again, for those who aren't familiar with what that is, um, take us inside a little bit. Where did it come from and what is it? Um, so Tatley is a, a temporary tattoo company that I started um, three years ago uh, out of a personal rule that I have that if I keep complaining about something over and over, I have two options that I can either do something about it or let it go. And so about three and a half years ago, my daughter, who's now eight, came home from another birthday party and, you know, you get goodie bags with, you know, crappy, design, crappy temporary <laughs> tattoos in them. And she asked me to apply them. And it was one of these moments again, where yet again, uh, they were a complete insult to my Swiss aesthetics. They were badly produced, badly designed, and they really bugged me. And I was like, here, here I am a designer and my daughter wears really ugly temporary tattoos. I, you know, and I, I realized that moment, wait a second, Tina, you're, you're a web designer. So I can build an e-commerce site, design it, make it cool without a problem. Mm-hmm. I have such an incredible network of illustrators, um, and artists and that I've celebrated for years on my blog that I, I knew if I reached out to them, they would probably design something right. for me. So that night I researched a bit what it takes to make temporary tattoos. I emailed a few of my friends and literally the next day I had designs in my inbox, not realizing that actually designing for skin, it's like a new canvas. Mm. A lot of my friends were, were thrilled about that. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, and so about two months later, fast forward, I just, as a joke and just for fun, I, we launched with 16 designs. We, we launched tatley.com and, um, uh, I wrote about him on my blog, Swissness. And the first day we had like 150 orders, which was, did you expect that magical? Like, I mean, the internet, can we just talk about how amazing <laughs> the internet is? Like, I mean, it's, that's why I bought yayinternet.com because it's just, I, every now and then <laughs> I, I go there. Um, <laughs> So, and then what I didn't expect, and I really thought, you know, I figured, you know, I'm going to send maybe a hundred orders a a month. You know, I can do that on the side. What I never, I've never sold a physical product before. What I didn't realize is that actually stores might want them. So the Mm -hmm. second day in business, uh, I got a call from someone at the Tate Modern Shop in London and they asked me for a wholesale catalog. And I was very, very cool. I said, absolutely no problem. I wrote down the info. I hung up the phone and I turned to my studio mate and said like, hey, hey, Cameron, what's a wholesale catalog? (laughs) I had no idea. (laughs) So I realized, you know, maybe let's take this a bit more seriously. What I didn't, what I didn't realize is that I literally had created a new industry. There were no, like, the temp- there was no company out there that, that licensed designs from well-known illustrators and designers. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do right now. We have a roster of really, really amazing artists and designers. Mm-hmm. There are about 90 of them. And what I've been able to create and makes me very, very happy is I've created passive income for them. Mm-hmm. So of every design you buy, uh, a, a generous cut goes back to the artist. And some of our artists, every three months when we pay artist commissions, they, you know, they, I get very happy emails back. And, and I really believe that in order to live a creative life, you, you need to sort of generate passive income in some way that frees you up to work on other, mm-hmm. on other creative endeavors. So that's sort of a big belief I have. And it makes me happy that with this project, 
um, I've sort of been able to to create that. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. There's a common thread here that, that you've kind of circled back to in a lot of different ways, which is you, it, it seems like one of the things that really lights you up is your ability to create channels for other people to create sustainable livings through fully expressing whatever it is mm-hmm. that's inside of them. Is, is that right? Yeah. 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 It makes me happy to, um, like also on my blog, nothing makes me happier than when I can write about someone who just started with a product mm. or just put something out there. And then two months later, I get an email saying, Hey, that was it. That was just a push I needed. I quit my job. You gave me, you know, the nudge to go on my own and thank you so much. There's nothing that makes me happier than to sort of enable other people to, you know, follow, follow their creative dream. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, so now Tatley has grown to a point where, as you said earlier, you have 14 employees. Mm. How do you feel about being an employer on that level? Um, I've really, I've really grown to love it. Uh, I, that, does, huh? So does that imply that you didn't in the beginning or it's just, it's been, well, a, it was hard. Yeah. It was hard. I mean, it, it's, it's interesting. I, the other day I looked at my blog, like I've been blogging for nine years now mm. and, uh, People call me a design blog, but oftentimes I'm like, wait, I'm not really a design blog anymore because I've, I've sort of, when I go back into my archives and see what, what, what was interesting to me then, and I look at it now, a lot of it is more about lifestyle, lifestyle ideas, how to lead, how to be a good, you know. Right. Cause I look at it, I'm just like, it's a general lifestyle resource Mm -hmm. for me for all sorts of cool things. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really a design blog anymore, but Mm -hmm. I don't want to correct people on that. (laughs) But uh, it's interesting how I realized just, but where my life has taken me, I think so much about how to be a good boss, how to be a good leader, how to motivate people, you know, how to make sure my people grow around me, how, you know, how to create an environment that people love coming to work. Mm. Um, so, and, and that is a challenge that is really fascinating if you think of it, because seeing so many people that dread going to work. Right. And I, I really believe that I've created an environment where people like come to work and, and, and I'm the, I'm very, very a feeler type, you know, like I, I, I can walk into a room with my team and I can sense if somebody is not, if something's not right. And they always joke about that because I can just see it a mile away. I don't know what it is, but I can just sense it. And, and if, if I sense that somebody's really not at their best or not happy or just, I, that just bugs me. And I will tell flat out, like if, if it's something I can fix, I will fix it. But you need to talk to me. And if, if it's something that has to do with the environment here, I will fix it and I will make it better. Just, you know, so that's my big challenge these days is just create the best work environment I I can. Right. So, but are you spending a substantial amount of your time sort of in management now, managing business, managing people? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm spending 50% of my time on Tatley and 50% on, on, on creative mornings. And a lot of it has to do just by, you know, talking to the teams and making sure they're, It's it's half leading and sort of pushing the vision forward on on the company, and at the same time, so so, so I mean I'm I'm a lot of my time is just spent on hiring and right. making sure so, the I mean, team comes in the background. You come where there's because I'm I'm assuming like the designer never leaves a designer. You know, no. like that is like the the desire to create and see create beauty and see. Um, but designing like, a company is the same right, thing, and that's you know. The it's thing. it's do you, do you experience it that way. Yeah, like it's it's the same thing again. Like yeah. it's it's it goes the layer of an office environment, like of how does your office look, you know, mm. to the layer of um, every every aspect of the business itself, like the envelopes and all that, the packaging, the right. the experience, the website, and then then the layer of 
what is our structure of our business? Like how, you know, I mean, there's so many layers of design. It doesn't just have to be type and pixel driven. <laughs> right. And, but the, I mean, the fascination for me with that is that, you know, you'll talk to a lot of artists or designers who start to become commercially successful and then they have an opportunity to grow a studio, a company, a business, or a series of side projects mm-hmm. that turn into a business. And they hesitate to pull back because they're like, I like to do what I want to do. And there's no, there's no conception that I can actually still do what I do, mm-hmm. but the canvas is changing. Mm-hmm. Now the canvas is culture. Now the mm-hmm. canvas is yep. whatever it may be. Yeah. And, um, I actually wouldn't be a happy designer anymore. No kidding. No. What, what is it about it? it it's just, is it too, too small, a focus or? No, I just, I just moved on. Yeah. I just, I, 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 I know I was a really good designer. I still am, but that's. I, I want, again, push to be better. I want to, yeah. what's the next thing that I can learn? Where can I grow as a person? I figured to design out. So n- <laughs> give me, give me the next challenge. <laughs> now that you design companies and all sorts of other stuff. Um, and in a way it's like you're involved in helping people design their own lives. It's like now you're, you're creating these channels for people to self-actualize for lack of a better word. It sounds um, so pretentious though. <laughs> well, let's come up with something else. Do cool stuff. <laughs> Be happy, have fun, and include confetti and envelopes. <laughs> That's good. Okay. I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> I've always believed that there's that um, being a parent and growing a business, <laughs> they're so close. There's so oh much God, overlap, so, so many different close. levels. So you're both, you're an entrepreneur, yeah. you're a parent. Talk to me about your experience of the intersection. Well, I, I not only have I, do I have kids and I run businesses, I started them at the same time. Mm. So it is really complete parallel lives. I, I started my design studio when my daughter was born, which is insane. But it was really, when I was pregnant, when I got pregnant, I really took inventory of my life. And I was like, I... I need to really do the things I dream of. Like I ha- I have to be a role model to this little nugget that I'm creating here, right? So I started design studio when my daughter was born and I um <clears throat> and it's interestingly enough like when my son was born, I sort of went through the same like when I was pregnant, through the same sort of inventory phase, like looking at my life and I was like I really don't want to have clients. I realized I'm not made for clients. I'm just mm-hmm. not made for the service industry. So I changed up my life again. So it was interesting that not only did I start be- become a parent, but that my kids actually were the triggers for changing up my professional life. And you know how I always hear people say, "Oh, it's either kids or career." To me it's the complete opposite. My my kids were the biggest career boost ever. Like mm-hmm. they made me push myself to the next level in my, in my career, which a lot of people just shake their heads at and they're like, I don't get that. Right. Um, but so what I've learned is that with both being an entrepreneur and a parent, you need to know what your values are and you need to able to articulate them. Like my, you know, like what do I stand for? But, and, and, and they go hand in hand. To me, they're the same at home as they are at work. Yeah, totally so great. it's actually very efficient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although, I mean, there's knowing what your values are, articulating them, and then there's living them. And I think mm-hmm. for a lot of people, there's a disconnect there. You know, it's the old, and we see this, I mean, like, we both know this as a parent, like, it doesn't matter what you tell your kid. Mm-hmm. It matters what they they see you mm-hmm. modeling. But, you know, so if you're like, ah, oh, brush your teeth or exercise every day or whatever yeah. it is, and, and you're not doing it, they're yeah. like, really, mom? Really, dad? Mm-hmm. Like, cause I'm looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> I must say, I had 
one of my, and I think any parent probably can relate to this out there. Um, you, you don't know how much of the things you say and teach them really sinks in, right? Yeah. And I had one of these complete parental win moments a few months back. Um, um, I go on a weekly dinner date with my daughter. She's eight. I mean, mm. it's, I love it. Oh, it's awesome. just short and sweet, but yeah. it's just our, our ritual every week. And so and a few months ago, we're sitting in the restaurant, we're having dinner. And I, I asked her like, so Ella, do you actually know what I do at work all day? And she just very matter of fact, very quickly answered, yeah, mom, you sit at your computer and you laugh. And it, it just hit me. Like to her, that was, there was no question about it. That's what I do. I sit at my computer and I laugh. And then I took a moment and then I was like, wait, you mean as in, I like what I do? And she got a little bit annoyed and she goes, mom, yeah, come on. Isn't that the point? And that moment right there, the fact that she's eight and she, I, like I was able to instill in her that like, you should like what you do. You yeah, should like going amazing. to work. You should be happy at work. That to me was like, okay, this parenting thing, it is working. Granted, I might be screwing her up on other levels, but at <laughs> least like that one like, I got down. Raising kids in New York. We had the therapy fund. <laughs> yeah. like slowly <laughs> building on the side for, it's going to be accessed one day. Yeah. So that, that made me so happy. That's amazing. What an, what an, just an awesome moment, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. And, and I, and I mean, I think it's so important too to uh, to be that model, um, and also to have them see you live as one person in both lives, and also I guess to you know expose your kids to the way that you contribute to the world mm-hmm. and the way that you choose mm-hmm. to earn a living. Mm-hmm. Um, and but uh, you know, I we're are are we fortunate? Have we made deliberate choices? That we're both entrepreneurs. We're very deliberately creating mm-hmm. the way that we do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, I bring my, my daughter into, you know, mm-hmm. almost everything that we do. She mm-hmm. knows a lot of the people. She knows every, our whole team. I do that very purposely as well. I do it as yeah. well because I want her to see, I, and I want her to see so many things. I want her to see how much joy, how much connection. Mm-hmm. I also want her to see that we try things and fail. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's really important for a kid to see. And mm-hmm. I think we shield kids from that so mm-hmm. much. No, it's important. Um, and another example of like, I think you do the same is I, um, the other day I realized, you know, what I, what were the, the moments in my life as a kid growing up in Switzerland that I really like, you know, cherish. And I remember that my parents had a lot of dinner parties, with a lot of interesting conversation. And even though I was a little kid, you know, you don't sit there necessarily, but you just soak it in. You right. see the people that come through the door. So a few months ago, I, I very purposely started having at least one big dinner party at my house. Mm. Um, and you know, <laughs> Just looking back at the interesting people that came through our door, um, a lot of them obviously are like the maker type. So I can right. always sit down with my daughter beforehand and sort of show her. Like I always tell her like, hey, tomorrow night there's so-and-so coming or so-and-so. And I show them what they do or if they've created something. And and I'm, I do that just so that she has context, right? Mm-hmm. And then seeing her interact with, with the people. And they take it totally seriously. They chat with her. You know, she's eight, but I can sense that she's really, she feels like they're, you know, yeah. they're taking her seriously. So after a few of these dinner parties, because it's taking away from us, my husband and I, like, you know, paying attention to the kids. Yeah. I just asked her, I was like, Ella, do, do you like these dinner parties? You can tell me if you don't. And she looked at me and she was like, came out of her gut. She goes, mom, I love them. <sighs> And I, it's like these moments where That's I realize, awesome. like, as a parent, you can show your kids this world. You know, you can expose them to people and thinking and conversations. Yeah. And the same thing, I feel the same way about my employees as well. Like, my business, Tatley and Creative Mornings, are 
built into the co-working space studio mates where we have some of the I mean, smartest and most talented designers, developers, photographers, illustrators, right. you name it. And we have like so many interesting people come through the door and we have so many, we, oftentimes we have, we invite them for lunch and just exposing like nice. yourself to interesting people and people who do interesting stuff. You automatically you sort of get inspired and raise your bar higher. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, you have an insane level of curiosity. It sounds like, I don't know. I think you do. I think you I, you may not realize it because to you it's just the way you're wired. Okay. It just isn't yeah. everyone like this, right? I, yeah. like, I look at the world. I see questions. I see mm. things I want to learn, people I want to talk to. Mm. Um, but I, I actually think that's unusual. Really? Um, I don't know. I think because I, I I I probably you and I probably have really similar lens on that way. I'm just I'm constantly like, what can I learn? Who can I talk to? How can I? Mm-hmm. You know, and um. But the more I talk to a lot of people, and I think you and I probably tend to also surround ourselves with a lot of people who are in the creative space, the maker space, the entrepreneurial mm-hmm. space, where they have that also. But when I when I think we, you, if you look outside of that bubble, which is the vast majority of folks, mm-hmm. um, I see, I don't see a huge amount of curiosity in the world, and I all. Maybe it's just me. I'm curious if you agree or disagree, but um, I but, think I just I'm not surrounded by people that are not yeah, curious. <laughs> right, and, might be the case. I don't know. <laughs> um, but one of my questions has really become because I see curiosity as a huge driver of so much. Is that is is that something where you either have it or you don't, or is it you know? And if you if you're just not curious on some level, you know, can you actually teach curiosity? Um, and again, as a parent, this is a big you know, question for me. You know, baby, push to be better is also about curious, right? You need to maybe, be right. Or just maybe that's something you can teach a kid just to cont- continuously like asking yourselves questions about the world. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's something I, it's a, I it's a curiosity mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, a rabbit hole I haven't gone all that deep into, but um, it, it does, <laughs> now like, you're going to make me think like, about I, this. I know. It's like, if you read somebody like, email right. like, Jonathan, I have an I answer. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Here it is. Boom. Let's come back. We'll record five more minutes. <laughs> Um, so Tatley creative mornings, uh, used to work with design clients, not anymore. Studio mates, um, mom married, such a full, such a rich, rich life contributing in so many different ways. Um, what are the through lines with everything for you that you feel like, okay, when, when I experience this, I feel lit up. Um, Man, that's a good question. Like you're going going to into the deep core right now, mm-hmm. huh? I I don't know. You probably know better than I do. See, I have a really hard time sometimes. Like whenever I give a talk, I really feel like I'm scraping the the barrel of my soul because I am such a feeler and not. Mm-hmm. I'm I have a really hard time sometimes articulating. I don't know if you have that too. Oftentimes, you have a conversation with someone who sort of says, "You know, I really feel about your work is X Y Z," and you go. Thank you for giving me those words right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm very much like you on that level. <laughs> and you know, some people have, it becomes really easy to them to like articulate what they believe in or whatever. And I have a really hard time. So to be honest, the essence of it's probably somewhere in the realm of um, surrounding myself with beautiful, creative energy and at the same time connecting people. I guess it's, it must be somewhere right there. Mm. Yeah. Um, but there's probably a way more eloquent way to say that. Well, Seth probably could do it in a heartbeat. I, Seth, Seth, just like, boom, here's your word, go. <laughs> we love you, Seth. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like the word, as we're talking here, the word that just keeps coming into my head is a word that we kind of had a short conversation around with, is, which is this, which is delight. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel it's so overused now. A lot I, of big companies, I, and I agree, and I totally because I think it's becoming a really big buzzword yeah. in terms of like this is what we need my to build into what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But when you go into the deeper, like what is that really about? You know, serving people on a level that just gives them a full body smile mm-hmm. that they weren't expecting to have. Well, it's like surprising people with an extra layer of love. No. You know, put a little bit of heart in your products and your services and. Yeah. I think you just said it, actually. Surprising people with an extra layer of love. Yeah, good, good. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'll use that. You, you. <laughs> um, so I love this. We could go on for a long time, but I want to I, I um, come full circle here. So the name of this is uh, Good Life Project. Mm-hmm. So if I offer that term out to you, to live a good life, it comes up. I'm doing it right now. I'm, I'm living an absolutely fantastic life in that I can... I love going to work. I love the people I work with. Um, I have a healthy family. I have an incredibly supporting, supportive husband. I can, you know, I can create and build companies and create just my life is colorful and full and interesting and, and full of really good people. Very lucky. You're welcome. (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) Hey, thanks so much for listening to Good Life Project. If you enjoyed this episode, you know what would be really cool? If you jumped over to iTunes to maybe share a quick review. It helps us get the word out to more people and make a bigger difference in the world. Hey, while you're there, why not subscribe? It's just a quick click and it's totally free and you'll never miss an episode. And if you'd love to know a little bit more about how we can maybe help you live your own best life, Check out our upcoming events and courses at goodlifeproject.com.